This is a story, the redemption story, known as the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is one that will impact all people from all kindreds and tribes and tongues and nations. We find that clearly in the scriptures. That all of those someday who have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith will worship the Lamb of God. If you want to see that just exposed so beautifully, go to the book of Revelation at the end. Um, this is a story worth telling the nations. A couple weeks ago, uh, a team of us from the church were able to go visit some of God's servants in Costa Rica. These are feet on the ground, boots on the ground soldiers of Jesus Christ in Costa Rica. Uh, meeting needs. They, by God's grace, will meet tangible physical needs, but they know that the ultimate need is that these people come to Jesus Christ in saving faith. Ben Mora, Taja, uh, Easy, Crystal, um, uh, the whole team there. We praise God for this team. Jim was so gracious to set this mission team up, uh, so we went a couple weeks ago. This time I want to invite all of you this morning to take your Bibles and turn. I know you're anticipating going back to Romans this morning, uh, but I want us to go to Ephesians for our body life service today. We've been spending a lot of time in Ephesians, if you noticed, uh, through this year. And Ephesians just dialing in on what God says to His church through Paul to the church of Ephesus. In just a minute, we're going to start in this uh, book, and we'll kind of work through this. Why? And, and actually, through the month of June here, there's going to be some sermons that you hear that are, not that they aren't all incredibly practical, I'd hope, but some of them are pretty deep, some of them pretty theological. We're going to take the month of June here and talk about some very pastoral sermons, very practical ins and outs. And here's the topic that we're going to be talking about today, and I hope you're ready. It's a fun one. How do you handle differences in the body of Christ? You're sitting with a group of people today, all different. How do you deal with these differences in the body of Christ? I'll tell you what, let's do. Ephesians 4, I want to read these verses. These verses that are so very practical in our lives. And we read these and we kind of get this I'm sorry, but just this pie-in-the-sky view of what's happening around here. All right, let me just read these. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This is God's Word. This is great. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as, we, uh, as you were all called in. One hope that belongs to your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in you all. Praise God for this text. We read this text, and there's a lot of one in this text. There's a lot of unity talked about in this text. And very clearly, the unity comes through Jesus Christ. Let's jump into, if you just flip over a couple pages, to Philippians. I want us to go to Philippians chapter 1. 
I'm going to do a little bit of turning today. I hope you're ready. If you got, have God's Word in your lap there, go ahead and flip it over. If you have your device, I know Pastor Matt had some serious words about devices last week. I'll have to repent because I use Bible device all the time. Keeps my brain straight. Uh, but it is good to have that tangible, those, those pages in front of you, especially when the technology bubble bursts. But Philippians chapter 1, I want us to go here to verse 27. Here's the words of Paul to this church <coughs> that is very splintered in, in certain areas. Paul is talking to this church about unity, unity, unity. Unity through diversity, through humility. That's one of the themes in Philippians. Well, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, he says this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Look down with me in chapter 2, verse 2. Paul says this, Complete my joy by being of the same mind. This is the same mind of Christ, the mind of humility. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. All right, let's, we're just reading through several of these epistles right now. I hope you're, you're hanging on here. Because what, what's happening here in the epistles, you see Paul talking regularly of be of one, be of one. You are in Christ. There's one. There's unity. Well, flip over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Another wonderful text of Scripture. Paul to a church that must find their sufficiency in the preeminent Christ over all. You don't add Christ to your life. Christ is your life. And because He is your life, He will bring you in one with the body of Christ. Paul says this in a very practical way. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, Bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive each other. And above all, put on love, which binds everyone together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called into one body, and be ye thankful. Be ye thankful. All right, we read these wonderful texts of scriptures. God's holy word. And in our minds we think, yes! We have one body, one Christ, one Father. There's unity in the body of Christ. And then, my friends, <laughs> the reality hits, right? You walk into church on Sunday morning. And you see that person. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That person who has a different political persuasion than you do. Well, I'm going to talk to everyone today, not that person. And then you see that other person. Oh, and I saw that person. They enjoyed this certain liberty in their life this week that I will never participate in. Ooh. I'm going to steer clear from that person. 
And so you kind of position yourself in the body of Christ on the far side of this person and that person. But then there's that person that sat in the middle. And you know that person. We've had these debates. That's the person that thinks differently about when Jesus is going to return. I know I'm right. And I know he's wrong. So to avoid getting in an argument in the church congregation and blowing, I mean, throwing fists, I'm going to position myself, well, I'm running out of spaces, so I'm going to go in the balcony. And then you read these passages where it says you're one body, one faith, one Christ, and you're like, yeah, but people are in the body. Sure, there are people that have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, but there are differences. Do you see how practical this is? There's different people with different mindsets, different backgrounds, different interests, different ideas about certain theologies. Uh, There's different persuasions about politics. Dare I bring up politics from this pulpit? But I'll tell you, on a given week, I'll, hear, I'll talk on the phone with one person who is dead set on a certain candidate. Within days, I'll talk about another person who is dead set against that same candidate and for another candidate. Oh, this candidate is going to destroy what's happening in this county. Hey, listen, that's okay. And the body of Christ is such when we dial into who we are in Christ that, and here's where we're going with all of this the next two weeks, where we can truly come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and deal in a godly fashion with these differences. This is good. Now, there are other differences in the body of Christ, and we'll kind of jump into a really good metaphor at the end. Uh, several years ago, one of my mentors, his name was Al Moeller, some of you listened to his briefing, he put out an article that called, was called Theological Triage. It was a wonderful article. And we're going to get into some of that, some variations of that today, where there's some discussions theologically where you need to run to the ER and get doctor's help immediately. Uh, these are doctrines that deal with the foundations of who we are. You cannot ignore these in the body of Christ. Now, there are other areas of differences in the body of Christ that deal specifically and entirely with preference. I just don't like that. Well, you're not going to take that to the ER and get treated right away, my friend. That is not come with the same element of ER care. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And so we're going to look at, there's differences in the body of Christ. How do we deal with these differences? Sometimes we find ourselves in this angelic unicorn cloud. Our heads are tempted to think there's not a single problem in the body of Christ. Not a single issue. Not a single difference. In fact, we're going to get together this week and sing another, we're going to create another stanza to Kumbaya all week long because we're all perfectly in sync in the body of Christ. What difference is Pastor Andrew? It's Cross Point Community Church. Don't you all get to get along all the time? Well, According to one study, there's an estimated 380,000 churches in the United States of America. 
of these churches, and we're talking independent churches, mainline churches all across the spectrum, 380,000 churches of these churches, hundreds of churches acknowledging major church splits every single week. I would venture to say that probably every single one of you at some point in your life, no matter what denominational background you come from, have experienced to some degree, some sort of a church split. It's the real deal. There's differences in the body of Christ. You cannot ignore differences. Some of these splits over small in-house differences. There's been differences. I mean, you know, we mock these things sometimes, but it's true. There's people that'll leave churches because the paint color's bad. Or the carpet isn't what I wanted. We had a vote, and you five voted against us three, and so us three are going to go pack up and find the next church to attend. Do you understand what I'm saying? These things happen. It is a reality in the body of Christ. And the sad fact is that so often we want to ignore the pink elephant in the room, that there are differences. That's right. why... What we're going to talk about the next couple weeks is absolutely practical, pastoral, and imperative in the body of Christ that we talk about some of these things. A lot of these things are discussions that we'll have as an elder team uh, or I'll have with individuals on a one-on-one basis. How do you deal with differences in your own home? How do you deal with differences with different people in the congregation? But now, today, and next week, we're going to just expose it. We're all here. We're talking about it. Ready or not, if you don't like it, don't come back next week. Just joking. (laughs) Hold on. Whereas we're going to the scriptures. But here is the key idea today. The key truth already up here. All believers should carefully evaluate how they handle differences in the body of Christ. You, my friend. As part of the body of Christ, you need to every day pray that God would give you absolute discernment in how you deal with differences in the body of Christ. Everyone here, we are part of one body, the body of Christ, and we must pray that God would give us grace, every one of us, to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So, what I want us to do today is just start the discussion. Uh, We're not going to get too terribly far into the discussion uh, today. I'll introduce it. We'll deal with a couple of these things in your handout. Practical suggestions uh, from God's Word on how to deal with differences in the body of Christ. Um, We're just going to go through one and two this morning and just kind of tap into number three. Enough to get us interested for next week. Again, that's what a pastor is supposed to do, right? Get you interested to come next week. All right? So I'm going to stir up the pot this morning, get you all upset. And so you can come back and get maybe some of the answers next week from God's Word. Nonetheless, let's develop this key truth this morning. Very practically, how do you handle differences? How should I approach differences in the church? And I think you have to, first of all, go to this one. Would you... As they encounter differences within the body of Christ, the church, believers should, number one, pray. My friends, go to God. When there are differences in the body of Christ, we pray. We seek God's face. We pray God's grace. And what do we pray for? We pray for clarity. We pray for humility. We pray for discernment. Why? Because the unity of the body of Christ is of massive importance to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
You know how important the unity of the body of Christ is? Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross that we would be unified. That's how important it is. Well, we need to distinguish that a little bit. Because, and if I could just say it this way, the temptation is this, then, to say there's nothing you believe in and everything goes. And you can believe any doctrine you want and you can act any way you want and just bring all of it here. And this is what we call sloppy agape. Agape is the Greek word for love. It's sloppy. You can just do whatever you want. Because we're just a PC, lovey, dovey kind of a group. Well, that is not how you handle it according to the scriptures. So what do we do? We first off start by praying that God would give us great wisdom and discernment, clarity and charity in the differences we might approach in church. And I I find myself astounded sometimes. Not only in my own life, because the temptations to hear of uh, of, of various differences. By the way, I might be painting a picture today like we're at we're going to battle every week at our church. That's not the case. All right, I praise God that over the last three years, even through some of the craziness we've gone through with COVID, this body is very unified. I praise God for that. So if necessary, this is preventative. You understand? Preventive maintenance. What happens when you do? And it's not an if, it's when you handle, you run into differences in the congregation. All right? But at any rate, I'm surprised, even in my own life, when I see differences, or I know there's different theological persuasions or different practical preference persuasions in the congregation, <clears throat> and this, people really struggle in it, with it, including myself, I'm surprised how long it takes me to go to my knees. My friends, that's the first thing we should do all the time. When there's differences in the body of Christ and you see it's creating a bit of a rift and a bit of contention with others in the body of Christ. What do we do? First and foremost, my friend, you better go to your knees. Spend time on your knees. I think, I think for me as I've evaluated different passages, one of those that just highlights this so well for me is what Paul says at the beginning of the book of Philippians. I, again, the context of the book of Philippians, this these people, these, these believers, have a probably, most likely, according to the context of Philippians, a very military background, okay? So militant is their word. We're ready to fight for anything. The Roman province, these, military, these retired military people in the church of Philippi, we're ready to fight. Get it on. And Paul's like, whoa, hold on, hold on a second. This is the body of Christ, not the battlefield. But I love, love, love how Paul starts the entire book of Philippians. Would you look with me at verse 9 of chapter 1 in Philippians? Here's what Paul says. It is my, what? Prayer. How are we going to deal with these differences? We're going to go to our knees. It is my prayer. And what is he specifically praying that your love would abound yet more and more. In other words, that it would overflow and keep overflowing and keep overflowing. The way this construction is in the Greek, it's like it just keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps overflowing. It's not just like there's a little bit of overflow in the cup. The cup, uh, the faucet's turned on and it won't be turned off because it's overflowing. Keep that love overflowing. And Paul says, I'm praying that your love The love of Christ would abound more and more. But then here's the qualifiers. With knowledge and all discernment. 
Verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And here is the end of it all. This is the purpose of our entire lives. To the praise or to the glory and praise of God. Why do I love this passage? There's so much in, in, in Philippians chapter 1, 9 through 11. I'm not, not going to go through all of it. But very clearly, it's prayer. Paul's praying for differences in the church. But there's hope. Why do I say there's hope? He says that you might be prepared for the day of Jesus Christ to the praise of his glory. My friend, this is so good. What do we pray when we're going through differences? We're praying that God would give us discernment. God would give us overflowing love. But God would prepare us for the second coming of Jesus Christ. That he would be glorified even through the differences we have in the body of Christ. It can happen. My friends, there's hope for a body of believers to come. Even though you might not have the same political persuasion, even though you might not eat the same breakfast or enjoy the same hobbies, there's hope for differences in the body of Christ. So how do we start? Where do we start this discussion, my friends? We start on our knees. We pray for God's grace for biblical clarity, humility, and discernment. I want us to go to number two. I don't think we'll get too deeply into this. But I'll introduce it today. As they encounter differences within the body of Christ, the church, believers should, number two, seek God's word as the providential guide. This is so important. Our entire Western culture mindset is to react. Sometimes before we even think. And how do we often react? It's based on how I feel, not on what the truth is. My friends, that makes its way into the body of Christ so quickly. I'm going to react to different ones in the body of Christ, not based on the truth of God's word, but based on how I feel about the equation. Do you understand? So what is the common ground? What is the common ground for all of us in the body of Christ? When we deal with differences in the body of Christ, where do we run as fast and hard as we can? It is to God's holy word. I mean, there, there are so many passages we could look at in regard to this. We go to Jeremiah. Uh, the, the prophets, obviously the prophets are talking about this fire, this, this, this sword, this, this rock, uh, this this hammer that breaks the rock in pieces, this light, this lamp, that is God's word. I mean, all the metaphors you find in the Old Testament, but I absolutely love how appropriate it is in this text. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul, to his son in the faith, Timothy, he had a couple sons in the faith. These are guys he mentored strongly. Timothy and Titus primarily. His son in the faith, Timothy. Timothy uh, I think at the moment when Second Timothy, First and Second Timothy were written, very likely his mindset was, "Well, thanks, Paul. <laughs> what did I say that?" Because Paul helped establish, plant, disciple believers in Ephesus, and very likely, and this church of Ephesus was a church in a messed up community. I mean, if you want to look at a messed up community, study about the historical context of Ephesus. It was crazy. All right. 
uh, all of these New Testament churches, but Ephesus, it's crazy. And Paul, he helps with this church, and then he's like, Timothy, I'm going to leave you. You're young in the faith. <coughs> You're going to be like the, the overseeing pastor for a while. <laughs> and Paul, I, I believe Timothy's like, oh, thanks, Paul. Thank you for nothing. <laughs> thanks for leaving me here while you go on your missionary journeys. Well, I love it because very clearly Paul says, okay, what are you going to do with this church? All of these differences in the church of Ephesus. Well, if you would look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 3, look with me at verse 14. Paul doesn't hold back. He says this, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from a child... You have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the Old Testament of scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. And then he includes this. All scripture, Timothy, is breathed out by God and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete Equipped for every good work. Verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word, Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. In other words, in good times in the church and in bad times in the church. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching so good verse 3 why for the time will come when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears <laughs> what a metaphor There's a lot of people run around with itching ears they want to go where they can get their ears scratched all right but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. <laughs> All right, so why do I bring that up? Okay, because there's differences in the church. In Philippi, to the church of Philippi, Paul says, I'm praying, I'm praying for you guys. To this church in Ephesus, uh, particularly to Timothy, who at this time might have been the standing preaching pastor at this church or pastor at this church. What does he say to him? Preach the word. Teach the Word. Run to the Word with everything you have. People that might come in the congregation having itching ears, and they just want you maybe to scratch that scratch that they've got, and they want to feel all lovey-dovey and good about everything in the world. What are you to do, Paul? Or Paul says to Timothy, preach the Word, Timothy. Okay, let's make this practical. My friends, how do we handle differences in the body of Christ? We go to our knees. There's people you struggle with in the congregation. What do you do? My friend, you pray for them. You pray for you. You pray for grace. You pray for charity. You pray for clarity. You pray for discernment. As you're both brothers and sisters in Christ, headed for that perfect day with Jesus Christ. That's the first thing you do is you pray. Secondly, what do you do? You hold to God's word. You're a student of God's word with everything you have. This is our foundation. Well, uh, we do have a couple minutes, so I want us to go to number three. This is where it gets fun. We'll carry this conversation to the next week.
Number three, so as we encounter differences within the church, believers should pray God's grace for biblical clarity, humility, and discernment. We should seek God's word for providential guide as our providential guide, not feelings, not emotions, God's word. And number three, we need to identify the nature of the differences. This is so important. Identify where the difference lies. This basic fact, all differences in the church should not be handled in the same way. Because all differences in the church are not the same. Almost every difference in the church can fall under two primary categories and five categories. And I'll just mention these today and next week we'll expose these. Because every one of these subcategories should be dealt with differently in the church. You ready to put your thinking caps on here? Alright, two main categories. Can you advance that slide one Very quickly. There it is. So if you think of differences in the church, when you come and you're trying to worship with other people and you're like, ah, that person sitting over there really irks me. And they're probably thinking the exact same thing. There's going to be differences in the body of Christ based on two primary things. Doctrine or theology and lifestyle. Okay, of these two, we have five subcategories. I'm going to tell you. Almost every single difference in the church you can tag to one of these five categories. Can you throw up the theological categories here? This is very important. When you think of theological categories, you're going to have foundational categories, foundational differences. You're also going to have functional differences and doctrines. Then you're going to have fringe doctrines. So that's kind of, for lack of a better word, Uh, third-tier doctrines. Um, Of the lifestyle differences, can you throw up the lifestyle? There's going to be two primary differences in lifestyle differences and how you deal with these in the church. There's going to be lifestyle choices that are clearly restricted in the Scriptures. These are the blacks and whites of the Scriptures. These are moral imperatives in the Scriptures. Do this, don't do this. We have a commitment to obey God in every one of these. Well, if there's a difference in that, you're going to handle that differently than number five. These are lifestyle choices not clearly restricted in scriptures. What am I talking about? Romans 14, 1 Corinthians, you find this very clearly. These are called Christian liberty issues. Okay, here's where we're going with all of this. I'm going to deal with number five differently than I'm going to deal with number one. Do you understand? I've been to churches where all of these things seem to be dealt with in the same way. Where number five, a a preference issue, a Christian liberty issue rises up, and it's like, what does the elder say? Okay, the elder says this, well, we better get ready to um, discipline this person out of the church. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's a fifth-tier deal. It's a preference issue. It's a Christian liberty issue. It is not a foundational doctrine. Do you understand why we need clarity on this? So you guys, put, we're all putting our thinking caps on as we work through this. Next week, what we're going to do, I'm going to close this out because we've got to talk about some in-house stuff for a minute. Next week, what we're going to do is identify each of these five areas or, or make our way in identifying each of these five areas. And then we're going to go to scriptures to see what the scripture says about how we deal with each one of these five areas. You ready for it? I want to close out with this. I mentioned a minute ago this whole concept of theological triage. 
Before we do a so what, I just want to share this, this quick illustration. It was four years ago. Uh, Hannah was 39 weeks pregnant with Emma. <laughs> so she was massively uncomfortable. Um, we were living in Colorado. I was a pastor of a church at the top of the mountains, and God had given us such a wonderful group of believers to fellowship with and be part of. But clearly God was moving us down from the mountains because Hannah was working through some high-altitude sickness, and she was pregnant. She was 39 weeks pregnant. So at that time, all seven of us, so my wife and I, actually at that time six, because we didn't have the seventh yet, six of us were living in my parents' basement in Denver. (laughs) See? Um, because we needed to live down there to be close to the hospital. So we're all packed in this uh, two-bedroom apartment in the basement of my parents' house, and we are living life, and we're driving back up to church as we can, but we have to leave church quickly because, actually, at the last part of her pregnancy, Hannah couldn't even go to our church. It was at 10,000 feet above sea level, and she was in danger not only for herself but for the baby. So I'm driving back and forth, work, I mean, ministering at the church, trying to disciple the church, driving the two hours back, Families working, trying to figure out school and all of that in this, this life of circus we were living. Praying God's grace. Well, during this time, um, our fourth child, our daughter Eva, who's sitting right here, precious to our family, um, she contracted some, a really bad fever. She was working through some sickness. And her fever got really bad. There was something going around the community, and it, and it extended for like a, a week. By the way, supposedly it was pre-COVID stuff, okay? So this is four years ago. She was working through this, and I was there at the house. I was trying to dial in on some studies. This is in the evening. Hannah's 39 weeks pregnant, so she's doing the, you know, the mommy waddle shuffle thing, you know. But Eva is sick, and we're trying to get her through this. Well, Hannah kind of waddles in... <laughs> That sounds really bad. She walks into the study where I'm studying, studying and she's like, Andrew, we got to go. I'm like, oh, it's time to have a baby. She's like, no, Eva's in trouble. And so I grab up Eva. Eva's face is just bleeding. I mean, just blood coming out of her nose. And all of a sudden she starts gagging and she throws up and blood is just all over the place. And I, I've never been in quite a situation like that, but we have been in some traumatic situations. It wasn't awful, but it was like, okay, it's go time. So we get in the car and run, and praise God, Children's Hospital was only 10 minutes away. So we enter into the ER at Children's Hospital, and I walk into the Children's Hospital, and seriously, packed, wall-to-wall people, standing, kids coughing, people holding their arms, People on their knees, people on crutches, in wheelchairs. And there's this like big old long line to check in. My daughter is just profusely bleeding and we're grabbing her nose like this, keeping the blood from coming out of her little precious body. She's uh, three at the time and she's just bleeding and we can't get anything to stop. Well, at this point, I, I just took off from the back of the line. I stood there for a second and just analyzed it. I'm like, we're, we're in. I just went straight to the front and I said, we got to find a way to get through this process. And the lady, you know, they're, they're doing their protocol. Okay, can you tell me your date of birth? And I'm like, no, we got to get in there. And at that moment, Eva and, the, and the, one of the nurses was over there, could tell something was going on. The nurses grabbed the bucket and Eva, this is kind of gross for a Sunday morning, but projectile vomited blood and filled up almost an entire cylinder full of blood and mucus. I'm going to tell, tell you, something changed in the entire atmosphere in that ER at that moment. All right. Within about 30 seconds, we were back on a table with doctors all around poking her and pushing, you know, IVs and analyzing her, uh, her body, 
And, and praise God we worked through it, all right? What had happened is through the fever, through the different things that were going, going through her body, some sort of a blood vessel had burst in her upper head and was just draining down into her stomach, into her mouth, all of this, and her stomach couldn't handle it. So she was just getting rid of all the blood. But I'm sitting there with my daughter going white and, and just kind of losing energy. And I go to the front of the line and I'm like, we have to deal with this right now. And within 30 seconds, we were back there and the doctors were rushing on her, all of them working to fix the problem. We got it fixed. My friends, there's other times I've been to the doctor when I had a cut on my finger. <laughs> and what do you do? You don't run to the front of the line and deal with that the same way you would with this other ER issue. Why? Because there's differences in how you deal with different situations in the ER. My friends, it's the same as the church of God. We don't fly off the hook just because someone has a difference in a small, minor preference in the church. Don't discommunicate them. Don't kick them out of the church because you think differently than I do in this Christian liberty issue. Neither do we know that someone's dealing with one of the foundational doctrines of the faith. Neither do we take that and we wait two hours to deal with it. No, when we're talking about the foundations of the faith, those are things we deal with immediately. Bring in the team. This, there, there is a, a question and a doubt about the sufficiency of the scriptures. There's a doubt about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. There's a doubt about the deity of the Trinity. These are things we deal with immediately in the body of Christ. My friends, when we come next week, let's start to identify more and more about these differences in the church and how by God's grace through prayer we deal with these differences in the body of Christ. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your grace, your kindness. We thank you for the body of Christ. The unity that we are to have in the body of Christ. And God, give us discernment. God, there's things that we, all of these differences in the body that we need to handle by grace. And so simply today I pray as we lead into the studies next week and the week after, that you give us grace to work through these. Thank you for every single person here today. My friends here today, um, we're just going to briefly close out this service, a little bit different of a service for our body life service. But I, w- I would ask you this would you pray for God's grace for Cross Point Community Church? I praise God that there's very apparent unity through diversity here at this church. But I'm going to tell you, there is a wicked one that does not want to see that unity. There's a wicked one that wants to drive wedges between believers. Would you pray that God would give us grace? Would you pray for yourself that as these differences rise up in the body of Christ, that you pray for each other, that you love each other to Jesus. Would you pray that you would seek God's word as our providential guide, that we'd hold to God's word for every discussion. This is not God's word taken based on not feeling-driven interpretation, but God's word properly divided properly interpreted 
not making God's word say what I want it to say, but taking God's word for what it actually says. Would you pray God's grace for that? There might be some here today, and it's no mistake that you're here, even as a visitor or a a newcomer here today. We're so thrilled you came. God had you here for a reason. He brought you to worship with us today, this body life service, so the communion, the the discussions we have. Um, If I could just say this, to kind of summarize all that we've talked of today. That there is a God. He's the creator God of all the universe. And he is a good and gracious God. So good and gracious that he created man in a perfect environment. Nonetheless, man, Adam and Eve, rebelled against this God. And God in his holiness was to deal with this sin. My friend, we are part of Adam's race. And as such, we are in rebellion against this God. We are sinners. My friend, you cannot deal with that sin problem on your own. You you can't do enough good to erase that sin. You can't. That is why God promised a rescuer, a savior. My friend, that savior is Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was born miraculously, lived sinlessly. He died sacrificially as your substitute on the cross but he rose victoriously from the grave. Why? To give new life. Scripture says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be rescued. My friend, have you ever placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If you have never come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, would today be that day? I'd love to talk to you more about this afterwards. Any one of people sitting around you, Uh, friends and church attenders here would love to talk to you more about this most important issue in your entire life. For those of us who have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, would you pray for God's continued grace that we would continue to march forward as a church in unity. That over the next couple weeks as we solidify in our minds what it means to be gospel-centered. And I mean, we've gone through Romans 1 through 8, about to launch into 9 through 16, that we would be gospel-centered in our approach to how we handle even differences in the body of Christ. Would you pray for grace? So God, we thank you for your grace, your kindness, your mercy, the clear direction we have from you in your word. We pray all of this today in Jesus' name, amen.